welcome to this special series of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, the co-founder of Craft Industry Alliance, an online community for craft business owners. And in this limited series of our podcasts called Powering the Creative Economy with Spoonflower, we're focusing on artists and makers who have created innovative businesses using Spoonflower, the world's largest custom fabric, wallpaper, and home decor digital marketplace. In today's conversation, we're taking a deep dive into eco-friendly products with our guest, Nancy Mack. Nancy is the founder and owner of Freon Collective, an eco-conscious, minimalist beauty and lifestyle brand. Freon comes from the Old English, meaning friends or friendship, and she's incorporated all facets of her interests in beauty, design, and art into this label. Spoonflower provides on-demand digital printing using an eco-friendly, sustainable, and scalable manufacturing process. They like to say, if you can dream it, we can print it. And Nancy Mack took them up on that offer. Let's hear how she did it. So Nancy, tell us where you grew up and what your household was like when you were young. Um, Yeah, so I uh, actually grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, My parents were both uh, Vietnamese refugees and I was actually born in Malaysia where they met and then we came to Canada in the 90s um, but I was a baby when I came here so I pretty much grew up here um, and I was always really crafty um, growing up and I remember getting little DIY craft kits and things like that for Christmas or my birthdays and um, in school growing up uh, especially coming from Alberta there's a really big emphasis on uh, trade school programs uh, so yeah, I uh, took fashion technology as one of my options in high school. And then that's where I learned how to sew and use sewing patterns and uh, drafting and all of that. That's cool. That's great that they had those classes. I had home ec in middle school, but I feel like nowadays it's a little harder to get access, but maybe not, maybe not where you went to high school. Maybe that's still offered. I think, I think it is. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I live in Ontario now and I know that between the provinces, all the curriculum is very different, but I think there is still a pretty big emphasis. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So when you graduated, did you feel like you were going to go into fashion design or what What happened next? Uh, so I was actually kind of stuck between either going the more traditional like engineer route or uh, going into the fashion designer route. And um, my parents were always very supportive of the creative uh, side of what I wanted to do. Um, So I actually went to fashion design school. I moved to Ontario for school. Uh, And yeah, so I have a degree in fashion design now. I did it for four years. And yeah, so now I live in Toronto. Um, Yeah. So um, was that degree like useful to you? Do you feel like now in the work that you do now, even though it's not necessarily directly fashion related, do you feel like some of the skills or drafting or things like that that you learned during that degree program were helpful? Definitely, definitely. Because after I finished school, I actually worked for a uh, small business. Uh, It was a children's clothing brand. And I took a lot of the skills that I learned in my program. Uh, like sewing and drafting and all of that. And I took it into uh, the work that I did after school. So Okay. And so yeah. it was a children's clothing brand. So were you actually doing the sewing or were you doing designing? 
I was on the production team, so I did a lot of the sewing, uh, drafting, but actually since it was a small business, um, a lot of the times like our work overlapped with each other. I think there were only about like five or six employees. So even though I was doing the sewing and the cutting, uh, occasionally I would drop in and help with some of the marketing and content creation and all of that. So. Yeah, that's a great opportunity to work for a small business where everybody has to wear multiple hats yeah. and kind of fill in. And so you get trained in a lot of different things. So how yeah. long were you there for? A few years? Um, I was there for about uh, two and a half years. And uh, the owner of that business, she actually ran her business for, I think, five or six years. Uh, but at the time, I was also doing beauty blogging and content creation on the side, just as a little side hobby. Okay. And so you started a beauty blog. I That's did. so interesting. And, and <laughs> I can see the the synergy with that and what you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, so what was your beauty blog about? Was it about like makeup and hair or something else? Uh, it was a, mostly about uh, makeup or skincare. So um, I would post a lot of reviews, um, do a lot of uh, the photography, which is what I implement now into my small business too. Um, yeah. Okay. And um, how are you making money through that? Was it sponsored posts? Uh, later on, it was, I had a few sponsored posts, but honestly, it was just a side hobby. My, my main source of income at the time was through um, the job that I had with that small business. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So, but you got some exposure to kind of creating content, building a following online and yes. that sort of side of things a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so how did you get interested in sustainability? Because I know a big part of your business now is all about sustainability um, and eco-friendly choices. And I wondered if there was, if that was sort of a strain that was, you know, something you were thinking about all along or? Um, definitely was later on. Um, so actually what, what had happened with um, that small business that I was working for when she closed, I took over um, a side of that business, which was the small batch production and manufacturing for some of the local businesses here in Toronto. So in September 2018, I basically moved all of the sewing machines and everything into my condo. And then I essentially started to work from home. Um, and then at the same time, too, I was still doing beauty blogging. I always knew that I wanted to do like an in-house brand or expand what Free and Collective could be. And with these local businesses that I was manufacturing for, a lot of them were small batch, um, locally made, um, some of them were eco-friendly. Um, so yeah, I was, I mean, at the time I was pretty content just working with these local businesses to produce their products and make tech packs and patterns for them. But uh, it was actually through blogging and doing work for one of my clients that I uh, started the in-house brand of Free and Collective, uh, which is all about like eco-friendly uh, products and sustainability and all of that. Okay, so you had the idea basically by going through the process of manufacturing for so many other small companies, and then was it suggested to you or did you kind of say, hey, I really want to start my own brand that's going to involve beauty, but also be you know, small batch and also be eco-friendly? It kind of brings together all of these different yeah, ideas. Yeah, honestly, everything just kind of everything connects in some kind of way. So um, with one of the clients that I, uh, I still work, I still do work for them now. Um, I actually use Spoonflower to curate prints for them every season. So every spring and summer, every fall and winter, I 
basically just give them um, a list of designs that I kind of think would suit their brand. And then they will choose uh, some prints and I produce headbands for them. Um, And then just because of how these headbands are cut, I would always end up with a few um, extra inches of fabric. And then I would save all the scraps just because we like to keep our scraps. (laughs) Um, And at the time, though, I was actually uh, growing kind of weary of beauty blogging. I just uh, started to feel like there was a lot of waste in terms of uh, product launches and um, a lot of uh, packaging or even things getting sent to me in uh, press releases. There was just a lot of excess. (laughs) Um, So then naturally, just because I was working for myself too, I was just slowing down on blogging quite a bit, um, but not before I actually posted a blog post about making my own cotton rounds. Um, It was because I was growing kind of weary of all the uh, different products and just um, excess of uh, items that I was like, you know what, I feel like I should pick one thing that um, I can maybe make a reusable version of or cut back on something. Um, So I had made my own cotton rounds and it was just out of a completely different fabric. Um, I realized I was using like a bag of those like uh, cotton rounds that you just like get in the plastic bag and you like dispose them every time you use them, right? So I was like, well, why can't I just make a reusable version of these? Um, so I did. And then uh, they were fine for what they were. I wrote up a blog post about them. And then as soon as I did, literally like so many people messaged me or commented on that post about them um, and said that they were a wonderful idea and that if I sold them, they would buy them. So then that's how that started. Yeah. So you had that product market fit because you posted it and all mm-hmm. these people were like, oh, wow, this is a great idea. And so it sounds like you first kind of got introduced to Spoonflower through a client where you were like curating, meaning you were going into the Spoonflower marketplace and saying, here's a set of spring um, designs from other designers that I think yep. would be great for your product. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Super cool. Okay. And so, um, and then you made this post, so you thought that would be really cool. And so did you start to, um, did you like create an Etsy shop or did you start to sell them right after people said I would buy some? Um, yeah. So, uh, that was actually, uh, quite a few months. The, the post itself was quite a few months before I even started the in-house brand of Freon Collective. So, over the next few months, I tested out the cotton rounds on different fabrics, um, I did my own testing and then I remembered that I had those spoonflower scraps from that client. Right. And I was like, okay, let's try it out with this fabric. Um, and so I did and it was perfect. So I had enough scraps for, I think, like six or seven sets of cotton rounds. Um, and then I took all of the photos. I made all of the, all of the tags, did all the branding. Um, and then I opened up an Etsy shop in January of 2019. Um, yeah. And then I just continued from there. I think like within a week they all sold, which is crazy because, because I had this connection with the beauty blogging world and all of that. Um, and then, yeah, so since 2019, I've just been working on growing the in-house brand of Freon Collective. And at the same time, I'm still producing and manufacturing for local businesses in Toronto. Okay. I was going to ask if you were still yeah. doing that. So you still have these other clients. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool. And so, um, so what substrate of, um, fabric, among Spoonflower substrates ended up being the best for the cotton rounds? Uh, so we use 100% organic cotton knit. 
uh, for the cotton rounds. And that also gets used for a a couple of the other products too. Okay. And are you, um, I'm assuming you're no longer using the scraps from other people's projects. (laughs) You're actually buying heritage. So who is doing the designing of the the fabric now? Uh, So I actually have a few uh, from Spoonflower that I use, uh, if I can remember them. Uh, Crystal Whalen, Erin Kendall, are the two that I use the most. Um, But I'm also working with a lot of local surface designers in Toronto uh, to design custom prints now. Okay. And are they uploading to Spoonflower themselves or are you helping them with that process? Uh, So they give me the design and then I go in through my own account and I upload it. Upload it. Okay. Got it. That's really cool that you're helping local artists get get onto the platform. So (laughs) yeah. And that's really neat. So you have these um, cotton rounds and, and that was your, it sounds like your only product for for a little while you had the one product yeah for for a few months actually but um over time uh i started introducing different products i had a lot of customers uh purchase the cotton rounds and love them so much and then they would ask or they would even message me and say hey like i would love this in a face cloth or i would love this design in a headband or a hair scrunchie um, or a tote bag or something um, yeah so over time i was able to int- to introduce more products okay got it so now you do have scrunchies you have the face cloth which is basically kind of like a washcloth is mm-hmm. that right yeah. okay yeah. um and what other products do you have now Uh, So we have our cotton rounds, scrunchies, face cloths. We have our uh, tote bags, which actually uses a different Spoonflower substrate uh, that uses the linen canvas. Um, And I have uh, reusable market bags just to uh, replace like those uh, grocery store plastic bags. Uh, And that uses their regular uh, cotton. And aesthetically, what would you say kind of ties all of the designs together in your mind? Like when you're looking you know, for a local artist, or you're looking on the marketplace and saying, hey, I want to work with this artist. What are you kind of looking for from the design perspective? Um, so so at the beginning, uh, obviously, over time, our branding has kind of changed. So I, I feel like at the beginning, I was very much focused on looking for minimal or abstract sort of designs. Um, but over time, I realized that a lot of our customers uh, love florals, uh, love like those like uh, nice like ditzy prints and stuff. So now we kind of uh, have gravitated more towards that. Um, but I still kind of like to keep the minimal and like the colorful together. So. Yeah. And yeah. I'm assuming you probably have some like really loyal customers who've but been like repeat buyers of your products. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that just seems like something that, you know, once somebody finds this and buys them and then wants to buy them for other people or just wants to get more when theirs is, are worn out. Yeah. yeah, word of mouth is definitely, that's one of the uh, reasons why we grew is just a lot of the customers from the beginning, they um, have either, you know, sent my Etsy shop to their friends or family or purchased them as gifts, so... And are you yeah. still using Etsy as the primary e-commerce or do you have your own shop as well? Uh, so I, I still use Etsy now. Um, 
But in October of 2020, I did open an e-commerce shop too. Okay. And is that on Shopify or? That's on Shopify. Okay. Got it. So you have the both, the both going and they're a little different as far as sending the traffic and and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, tell us a little bit about why you feel like, um, you wanted to stick with sourcing unique fabrics on Spoonflower versus kind of buying commercially available fabrics. Cause that would have, I guess, been an option too. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, it's really because the designs that I, that you see on the Spoonflower marketplace, they are just so unique. Um, you know, you can't find that elsewhere. Um, and I like that on Spoonflower through the marketplace, it's a connection between artist and maker. Um, I'm based in Canada and a lot of the artists that we use, they're from all over the world. So without Spoonflower, I wouldn't have been able to find these uh, amazing surface designers that we work with. Yeah. And I love that connection because you're the maker and you're finding original art, you know, art from artists all over the world to to put onto your products. So the product doesn't look like anything you can find if you walked into a store or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, and so do you do any kind of in-person events as far as getting the word out and, and word of building word of mouth locally, or, or do you only sell online? Uh, yeah, so in that first year, uh, 2019, that I opened the Etsy shop, it was a few months uh, into it that the Etsy team actually reached out to me and they wanted to purchase a quite a few sets from us actually, um, to make a press release. And it wasn't just my products. They were reaching out to a lot of, um, Canadian uh, Etsy shops. Um, but that was actually, that created a lot of buzz and, um, we were featured in a few magazine articles and, uh, things like that. And then with that, I, uh, did, I started doing some local markets in Toronto, um, and that was really nice because sometimes it's nicer for people to see the prints and designs in person and feel the fabric and everything too. So. Yeah. And what did you learn from in, like sort of interacting in, in person with your customers that maybe you couldn't get online? Because I feel like you're right. That is such a special experience. People walk by the table, they comment, they say different things, they pick things up and put them back down. And yeah. just wondering kind of what feedback you were able to get. Um, well, it's actually kind of funny because my first, my very first market, I had, I think six or seven sets of cotton rounds at the time. And I had just introduced the face cloths. I hadn't, um, introduced the scrunchies at all. And I remember people walking by and everybody stopping at the table. And, um, so many people would ask, Hey, like these look really cute, but what are they? (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, they actually, no, it's one of those things where e- even me before, um, writing that blog post, like it's one of those things you don't think about, um, uh, to reuse cotton rounds or something. Right. So then being, um, in person, being able to tell people, Hey, these are cotton rounds. They're just like the ones that you buy in the plastic bag, but they're reusable and you can wash them again and then you're not throwing them out. Um, Being able to just explain that to people in person, that was really beneficial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because in in cotton rounds, people use them to take off their makeup, for example, or Mm -hmm. to wash their face at the end of the day. I use them. Um, And they are really, if you think about it, environmentally unfriendly because you're just single use and you throw throw it away. So Yeah. yeah, so that's good that you got that feedback to say, oh, I see this. I think it's cute, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so did you make any changes to the packaging or to the online listings in any way to kind of 
further explain it? Um, no, actually, because online, um, you know, you can write in your little product description um, and explain what it is, right? Um, I guess actually, yeah, no, in the packaging, I did um, uh, change it to include like two uh, cards that like would really explain like, this is what it is. This is how you take care of it. Because I think at the beginning, I had only written on the, the branding, like, cotton rounds or something like that, right? With no explanation. So Right, right. And these are something you can throw in the washing machine and then just take out and put in like a little bin in your bathroom or something. Yeah. So I, from the very beginning, I included a little uh, mesh bag that you can throw them in because they're so small, right? So that way they don't get lost. Oh yeah, they'll probably get stuck (laughs) on inside my sweatshirt or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's nice that you throw that in there for people to keep track of. That's super cool. And so do you have any plans for expansion as far as it sounds like you're still doing all the sewing and you're pretty much maybe doing everything. Is that right? Or do you have anybody working with you at this point? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, from going from one small business to another under that small business that I had started working for, uh, yes, I did all the sewing or whatever, but like, we wore many hats, right? Um, now I wear even more hats. So um, yeah, I do all of the photography, all of the sewing, all of the manufacturing, everything. But um, in terms of expanding, uh, last year I was able to hire my first employee, uh, which is awesome. So I could kind of take some of that like sewing and production off of my shoulders. Um, and then in early this year, we finally moved into a little studio. So no longer working from home. Um, and I have some plans for a little um, in-store retail that we're hopefully going to open soon. <laughs> that's great. That's been, that's, congratulations. That's so many Thank big you. steps. Yeah, hire an employee, <laughs> move out of your house. And um, and it, for the retail, maybe it sounds like it's early stages, but do you have um, plans to include other artists or makers products beyond free on collective products? Um I would love to, honestly, but it, it's a really small space right now. Um, and really the studio is more for the work that we do because I do produce for other um, businesses too. Um, but it's just, it's a little booth inside the studio. It's just our stuff right now, but okay. maybe in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. And so can you speak a little bit about photography? You did mention that when you were a beauty blogger, you got a lot of good kind of training, I guess, as a photographer taking pictures of products. And so your pictures for Freon Collective are really bright and very close up. So you can see the texture of the fabric. You can see the stitching on the fabric as well as um, the print. And I just wondered if you have tips for people out there who are struggling with product photography because you've done a really nice job of it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so it's it was nice to have that um, background in beauty products photography because a lot of the times like it is a lot of like close up you want to show off like the texture of the product or things like that um I don't have a background in photography actually it's just something that because I've been doing it for so many years um I just kind of learned um you know daylight is best natural light um and I mean even if you if you look at some of my earliest photos they're not you know, as great as they are um, now. Um, but yeah, even um, with a phone camera, like I, I have an iPhone and that was how I took all of my photos in the beginning. Um, just 
make sure it's really focused, um, use daylight, always a clear background is really nice too. Um, that way you can just show off the print and the fabric really well and it's not getting distracted by anything else. So. Yeah, that's great. And can you talk a little bit about marketing? You mentioned you had the opportunity to try out some marketing um, at the small business where you were working previously, but um, how do you do marketing for Free and Collective? Are you using certain social platforms or what are you using that's been working? Um, yeah, again, I don't have a background in marketing, but what I found what works for us is um, I primarily use Instagram um, and I found that a lot of people, because it's a small business and it's a local business, a lot of people respond well to um, learning more about the business or learning about how things are made or seeing um, you actually uh, make it. So in terms of marketing, that's more so what I do. I I like to post a lot of the behind the scenes things on um, Instagram stories or um, even you know, saying hi, like in a, in a post and talking more about this is what's coming up, or this is, you know, we're releasing this print or we'll see you at this market on Saturday or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the special thing about a small, small business is that you make everything. And so the buyer, the consumer can have a real connection with the person yeah. it's coming from. And um, does the Spoonflower printing process appeal to you because it is you know, printed in a sustainable way at Spoonflower versus sort of the more traditional way that fabric is printed where there's a lot of water and dye waste? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, And that's one of the things that um, being at local markets and in person too that I always explain to customers is, so our products um, are made with 100% organic cotton um, and with Spoonflower, they use um, plant and water-based um, ink, inks and dyes through their digital printing process. So there's no like harsh chemicals or anything like that. Um, so that really appeals to me. And that also really appeals to my customers because obviously with uh, purchasing something that is eco-friendly, um, how it's made, um, how it's printed is important too. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if, just to end, um, can you talk a little bit about how Spoonflower allowed you to, to grow your business in a way that maybe, you know, another uh, platform might not have sort of the unique aspects of, of using Spoonflower to grow? Uh, yeah, so um, obviously, like for some of the reasons of, that I had talked about before, like Spoonflower has been so important in growing my business. Um, just with the opportunities that they give to small businesses, like their small business grants or design challenges for the designers, um, they're just the community is just amazing. Um, but for me, particularly in running a small business in the beginning, not having any experience in how that works or uh, even a lot of capital to spend on materials. Um, I like that being able to order uh, or ordering with spoon flour, we can order in really small quantities. Um, like there's there's no major, major minimums, right? So I love that we could grow and scale um, very slowly. So custom printing, a lot of the times like they require a pretty large minimum, which is understandable. Um, but with spoon flour, it was great to just be able to order one yard of fabric as I needed it. And then as we grew, um, I would order two or three or 10. Um, and now we order in rolls, which is amazing. Right. So. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that they offered rolls. That's really great. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's super cool. Is there anything new coming up down the road for Freon Collective that you want people to know about? Any new products or new events or anything like that? Yeah, so um, we have a new print launching this week, actually. Um, It's by a local designer here in Toronto, so I'm really excited for it. Um, And it's going to be available in uh, all of our products, so cotton rounds, uh, face cloths, scrunchies, and everything. And uh, hopefully in July, uh, our little retail store should be open. <laughs> so if you're local to Toronto, you know, uh, feel free to come by and visit. So That's great. Well, this has been awesome, Nancy. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And um, tell us where we can check you out if um, people want to come and check out Freon Collective. Yeah, so you can just find us um, uh, at Freon Collective on Instagram, Etsy, um, and all the links to our online shop and um, address and everything should be there. So Perfect. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Check out Nancy Mack's business at freoncollective.ca to learn more about her. Today's episode was powered by Spoonflower and Craft Industry Alliance. Get started making your business dreams a reality with Spoonflower, where you'll find over 1 million designs curated from thousands of artists worldwide. If those creative juices are really flowing, try your hand at uploading your own design and see your vision become a reality. Once it does, connect with fellow business owners for advice and support at craftindustryalliance.org. The audio in today's episode was edited and mixed by Matthew Tales for at Mixture Films. I'm Abby Glassenberg. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And most importantly, tell your friends. Thank you so much.